0: in four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: Welcome to Second Chance Podcast with me, Raphael Rowe. And on this episode, I have a guest that contacted me earlier this year via Instagram. She told me her son was in his final year at university studying economics when he was caught up in a criminal case involving murder, attempted murder and a fray. She asked me to give her a chance to tell her side of the story. So I am. It's not for me or you to judge whether Romani is a victim or killer. Yet I think it's important to hear the voices of people like Natalie. Natalie. Natalie welcome to my podcast second chance. Now this is this is an unusual one for me and that's because you contacted me through social media direct message through Instagram with some content about your son. Now I get messages from lots of people about their relative son brother mother being a victim of a miscarriage of justice that's their their claim and They ask for my help. And obviously, with my experience, I I try to give advice where I can, but I get inundated and it's very difficult for me to keep on top or to offer everybody some advice Um, or to invite them onto the podcast to talk about giving them a voice, if you like, where their voice is being muted by a criminal justice system or by your traditional media who, who don't cover these cases if it doesn't serve a purpose for them. But when I looked at the content that you sent me I was I was very much aware of what I was reading in terms of there were two things actually the first thing was that you sent me a, an article where the first article a detailed that your son was a thug, etc., and in the second article where you challenged the media and said, that's not right, that's not who my son is, they changed the headline and told your story, and that's what I want to do today because the second thing was when I read the article and I read about your son and his success in life up until the point where he was convicted of a serious offence and imprisoned... Um, He seemed to be leading, like most kids, I suppose, he seemed to be leading a, a very successful educational journey. So that's where I want to start with you, Natalie. Can you paint a picture of your son? I don't want to go into details about the crime and your fight for justice at this point. I just want you to paint me a picture of who your son was growing up and to the point that this happened.
2: Okay. As a mum, I don't want to sound like, oh, because I'm the mum and I sound biased or anything. I'm going to give you a very honest account. My son, he made me very, very proud as a parent. He was very, very well respected amongst our community and throughout school. He's he's, He's a real one, very, very, very hard worker. Now, I'm a teacher by trade, so I work with a lot of young people and most parents can't say this. I've never had to tell Romani to do homework. I've had to tell him to cut down a little bit, which is normally the opposite. You know, most parents, I've got another young son and I do have to be kicking, kicking, coming to get some work done. Romani was one of them ones. I say, like, son, you need to take a break. GCSE time, he'll be up. I remember the Easter for GCSEs time. We didn't see Romani. He's at home, but we didn't see him. Very, very organised individual. I have this chart up on his bedroom wall. He'll be up from five o'clock and your timetable, maybe I'm going to study five to nine thirty. Takes a small break, then he's back on it for a large chunk to two o'clock in the afternoon. He's studying. The only thing he did different was go to bed. At one point I said to him, Romani, once your exams is finished, you may going to feel a bit lost because you've put so much into this. You do need to have other parts of life as well. He continued, and the hard work paid off because he did very, extremely well at his GCSEs. He represented his school on numerous occasions in local media, and in campaigns. He travelled to the USA at the school's expense. They wanted him to go to Harvard and Yale. Two big universities he was given a scholarship to go to in America. He was down to go to Oxford. And in all honesty, he looked and he says, "Mom, like, he's from Hackney, he's from an urban background. He's very sporty. He felt very out of place in some of the institutions. He said, I'm not going to go for any of them. I'm going to go for somewhere I feel comfortable, which I had to respect. And he chose to go to a, city, a university in Birmingham. It was still a very top university, Russell Group University where he was
1: doing very well up until we've had this issue. Before we go into the issue, what, what drove him then? I mean, obviously you, Natalie, being his mother, was behind his, you know, desire to do well in education. But what, what do you think was the driving force behind his self-motivation? Success. And he doesn't like to lose. Doesn't like to become
2: low in anything. So he's always, if he's football, top footballer. Education. He's always going to be the top of the class. Um, plus, he's very talented. At school, he was known. He was on the uh, talented and gifted. He's just naturally academic. And he's always had the drive for success. And in order to do well, I have to work hard. I love the kids' ethic. I was really surprised at one point. He turned around to me. He was in year eleven. I don't actually like school. It came to me as a big shock. But I do it because I have to do it. As you know, in order to get to certain places, I'm I'm from an academic background myself, and in in order to get to certain places in life, we need this education. It's very important. But
1: well, that must have you. been that must have been key to his motivation. Given you have an academic background and being a teacher, he must have been inspired by by the words of wisdom that you obviously shared with him, which which gave him what not all teenagers can can say they've they've got, which is a, an inner drive to do. Things for them themselves, especially as you say, coming from a background that is, you know, in a community that can sometimes offer so many unhealthy distractions. Mm
2: -hmm. He was he was was very serious when it was his studies. Marnie is not a person to fool about with his studies at all, at all. Like he'd come out with some incredible results. I cried with joy. He'd come out of school with, and he still wasn't happy because his first concern is not perfect. This is A stars and A's I'm
1: talking about sounds like a really really bright kid what what did he go to university to study he was studying economics and how far in his studies had he got to before this incident
2: okay well he started the first year of university first semester they came he came on for christmas holiday that's when the incident happened However, he was he was arrested and kept on remand for two nights and he was bailed in the January. So he returned to university. And he continued, he got through to the second year of university. And as at the end of the second year, we come
1: across this problem. Okay. Before we go into the details uh, of the case, the, the current case, had Romani been in trouble with the police or been caught up in any other kind of incidents before this which would mark the police of his card or or the community that he was, you know, trouble?
2: Romani has never even been stopped and searched. He's not that kid, he's not on the radar. I come from a background, I worked in my bar, I worked in a lot of peruse, and he was never on the radar, never, never on the radar. He's out there on the street, He's that a lot of the kids, he's that baller guy. He's respected because they all admired his work ethic, he's so smart, but he still plays football, so he's a normal young guy, because people tend to think, as a black young man, to be educated and smart, you've got to have this nerd appearance. He doesn't look like a nerd. With people like stereotyping, he doesn't look like a nerd at all whatsoever, but that's who he was. He was this very influential on a lot of young people, and we'd never had no problem from early teenagers up until the problem we had. Romani's not been stopped and such.
1: What did he do outside of education then? You, you mentioned him being a baller and playing football. He
2: football. He's been on the football scene since the age of four. As a parent, as a single parent, that was one of my tools, keep my son as busy as possible. He hasn't got time to go and get involved in any of the craziness what we have witnessed around us in society. So he was always busy. There was one point I spent three days a week driving to Peterborough, driving to Birmingham. He played for, he started off with um, Leighton Orient, and he went off to Arsenal Kicks. He played for Barnet, Then he was at Ellsbury which the last football team, it was more of a hobby. He made the decision about 16 years old that he was going to more focus on his academics than the football, even though he still kept it as a hobby. And that's what kept Romani going.
1: He went to university and then he came home, I read on, uh, and you just mentioned uh, around Christmas. What what mm-hmm. year was this? And then pick up the story for me, Natalie, tell me, What the story is you want to tell people?
2: Okay, well, 2017, he started university, came home. The first semester was the Christmas break. Within a few days, he came home early. I remember it was the 8th of December. he finished quite early. A lot of his friends had gone up to different universities. On the 12th of December, he went down to Chelmsford to visit some of his other friends at university. On the way back, he had a car crash. Thank God he was all right, but it was a very serious, the car was written off, it flipped on its back, it slipped on some black ice. But he was much, pretty much unscathed, bits of bruises, but he was not really seriously injured. Two weeks after that, he'd gone to a party for New Year's Eve, and he was invited to this party through Snapchat. A young lady, he doesn't know her personally, but you know as young people do, they communicate via social media. He's not a party person. He'd been to a party some years ago and it was tragedy there. So he's not one into big crowds. He would more, his social time, Romani's leisure time, he's got a girlfriend, they spend a lot of time together. They'd go out for meals, group of friends, they'd go out for dinner, go out into the western house. He's not wasn't really a party person. However, the New Year's Eve, he decided he was going to go to this party, He'd got an invite via Snapchat. And he brought three, or three of his friends. There were four of them that went out to this party. It was in the city. And I did ask him, because I'm very cautious. I'm very, very paranoid because of what's going on around us. No, mum, there's nothing to worry about. It's not that kind of party. It's in the city of London. It's a girls' party. It should be a good turnout. know, anyway, he'd went to the party. They had been all enjoying themselves. It, seemed to have, it appeared to be a good night. About 100 young people in there, a two-bedroom flat in the city. During this, in the night towards the end, there was a series of, I'm going to call, melee's broke out with some young people. Now, the incidents, people were using weapons, throwing bottles and stuff around the room. Had nothing to do with Romani. He'd fell over, picked up a broken piece of stick, what he saw on the floor, because he to defend himself. He'd looked around, composed himself, and he realised the bottle wasn't for him and he put it down and he backed off. This is actually on video, and I have the copy of the video.
1: You mean there was a video recording of the party that captured everything that happened?
2: Not everything, but bits and pieces it's captured. So I'm going to end this video, Ramon is there with the stick, put it back down. The victim is also in the video, laughing on the opposite side of the room, enjoying himself. So it's a different incident. What I've read through statements, there seem to be about five or six different fights. One fight starts, then it was stopped, then another one would start. But what we've got to understand, some of it was to do with a young man. He's not actually Romani's friend. They went to the same school, which quite a few of the attendees at the parties had come from the same school. We realised when they got there, a lot of them from school were there. They've obviously all left school now. They're at university, different friendship groups this particular young man, I think he was drunk and he was annoying. He wasn't a troublemaker. He was drunk and annoying. And it seems like he was attacked. He was attacked because he's left the party with an injury. Several fights broke out. He was taken away from the scene and some other fights broke out. Now, I'm going to reiterate this. It's not a gang incident or talker. These are random kids from all over London and outside London, don't know each other, but come in groups of friends. And there seemed to be a series of fights and one of the young men, what was at the party with Romani, ended up getting stabbed at the party.
1: So this was one of Romani's friends. He got stabbed at the party. Yes, stabbed quite badly, was in the life support and critical for three weeks. And obviously we have a victim
2: at the party who passed away at the party. Now, of a hundred odd people, no one hasn't claimed to see this stabbing. No one doesn't know this. there's There's lots of inaccuracies in the truth. Anyway, the young man, he went off to the hospital two days later. It was on the 4th of January. Romani, we got a call from one of Romani's friends' mum said they'd been arrested. And we kind of said they're all going to get arrested. They've all been at this party. Obviously, there's a victim here. What is dead? We need, they're
1: going to need some answers. Can can I just pause you there, Natalie, because the picture's not clear to me. It, it sounds to me just so that I've got this right and that my listeners can understand this. So these kids are enjoying themselves at a New Year's party. There's a number of fights break out at this party between different groups of boys uh, unrelated. Yeah. One of your son's friends gets stabbed. And you mentioned that someone got stabbed and died. Can you just set the record for me in terms of how many people got stabbed or or, or were seriously injured, how many people? Uh, I, I know it's just the one person who got stabbed and, and died. Just the facts, not... not. There's actually two, two. There was two victims. One passed away and one was seriously injured. And the one that passed away, he was stabbed as well, was he? Yep. And were the, was the person who got stabbed... Was that stabbing in connection with your son's friend stabbing?
2: This is where this is the this is the question where the big question mark lies now. The victim, I'm gonna call the victim, is the deceased. And the other young man, it looks like they've had some kind of altercation, but no one has really claimed to see what has happened. Romani said he didn't see the fight neither, because it was just like madness. Everyone's running up and down. He did notice he's tried to leave this apartment. It's like a second floor flat, looked over the balcony. He could see his friend downstairs on the floor and everyone surrounded him. And that's the point he'd realised that his friend had been stabbed. They'd stayed with him, tried to do first aid. Ambulance came. Romani actually got in the ambulance with him. Then he got back out again. He didn't follow him to the hospital. He went to come out and speak to someone so he wouldn't go with him. They hung around on the scene and he questioned the police officers, like, where were they taking him to? Which hospital? They, went, they made their way to the hospital, Romani and a group of friends to see their friend. They weren't able to see him. Anyway, they were realising that he'd been stabbed severely at this party as well. A couple of days later, Romani was arrested at home. He was arrested for murder, attempted murder that's of his friend, and violent disorder.
1: So he was being accused of severely stabbing his friend and stabbing and killing another young boy at the party?
2: Yes, and violent disorder. Taken to the station, questioned, kept him for two, two nights. First time he's ever been arrested in his life. And was he the only suspect at this point? No, there was several arrests. Of that one, three of them were arrested. And there was a series of other arrests after, some months later. Anyway, he was bailed on the 6th of January 2018.
1: So despite the fact he was arrested for attempted murder and murder, he was released on bail? Yes. That's kind of unheard of, isn't it? Very. Very.
2: Anyway, he was on bail all of 2018 we've gone into now. So he he was on a strict bail. He had to sign on four times a week. Went back to university now, no car, because he just crashed the car on the Christmas holiday. It's snowing. He had to walk to the police station four times a week, Sunday afternoon, every other day to sign on. And he continued with his studies. The summer, we'd went on a family holiday, a member of family got married in Jamaica. So we applied for permission for him to travel, which we got, came to Jamaica with us because he was still on bail. He was granted by the judge and returned a week later, as he said he would do. Come September, October, we'd be notified that he's no longer on bail. The case is, however, on investigation, but he's no longer on bail. So he's getting on with his life now.
1: Well, sorry, what do you mean he's no longer on bail? Because
2: he was on police bail where he'd have to sign on four times a week. So that was removed.
1: So as far as we're concerned, now we're now getting on with our life. We'll put this you mean down. the charges for which he'd been ar- or, or, or the reason that he'd been arrested, the attempted murder, the affray and the murder. He, he was never charged with these offences at this point. He was on bail. Yeah but not charged with those offences, I understand. So he spent
2: like nine months on the bill. they have removed the bill. However, the case is still under investigation. As a family, we'd always known that he hadn't done it from the beginning and he'd always maintained, Mom, the forensics will tell, the the police will see by the forensics. It's very, very obvious what happened on that evening. The forensics would always tell the story. Anyway, he went back to university the September 2018, not heard anything more... Scott, we got on with life, as you would do. The following year, July 2019, last year, Romani rang me. It was the 8th of July I was at work. Mum, I've been charged. Charged for what? Because this is behind us. This is the last thing on my mind. The Mum, they're, they're charging me with murder. I so said, what do you mean they're charging me with murder? I left work. I, I ran. I was on a trip with the kids, and I left, and I ran to him. I so said, this can't be possibly happening. Anyway, it turned out that the police had emailed the solicitor on the Saturday evening, 6 o'clock, with the charge. And we got it the Tuesday, by postal requisition. Now, straight away, as a mother, I said, something is not right. For you to be charged with murder, surely they would rearrest you. He's never been brought in for questioning again since the initial
1: arrest or anything like that. And they charged him by post.
2: By postal requisition.
1: What does that mean?
2: You get up with that, they try to deal with it like a traffic violation. You get a letter in the mail to say you're going to be charged with murder and violent disorder. You're to come to the magistrates' courts in two weeks' time to be formally charged. Not for that type of crime. Anyway, I couldn't believe this was happening. We went to speak to the solicitors and said a possibility they're going to remand in, but I've never in my wildest dream thought that would happen. The magistrates' day, they had given him was on the 18th of July, Thursday, the 18th of July. But on the 16th of July, the story is all over the media. Now, one of the things of Romani's case, he was charged with a rapper. He was quite well known. I'm not going to call his name, his name, but you can to your background,
1: it was a dual So, So Romani and a well-known rapper were the only two people charged now with murder. Yeah, were they yeah. also charged with the attempted murder in a frame? Mm, they
2: dropped that because they'd realised it was his friends. So they charged them both with murder and violent disorder. The other young man who they claim was the instigator by being drunk and annoying, and he got charged with violent disorder. So, so we've got to, on the 16th, which was the Tuesday of July, this story is all over the media. I'm talking about worldwide media. It's gone to CNN, it's gone to BBC, drew artists and friends charged with murder at party. Very, very gory headlines. But I wondered, how could you report this news and how it actually hasn't happened yet? We've not gone to court, he's not been charged. He's not been charged until the 18th. So we've gone to court on the 18th. So short hearing, and they was decided that we're going to remand you, charge you when you'll be charged with murder and violent disorder, and they remanded both Romani and his friend. Into Sent custody. Him, into custody. Sent him off to Pentonville. I went for bail for Romani in August. Speaking to our barrister, I want to know what's going on because something's not right here. I am going to call myself very, very fortunate that I have ordered the documentation relating to the case, which was emailed to Romani prior to him being remanded. Every witness statement, forensic statement, police reports, I actually have every document. And they've been checked with a fine-tooth comb. And through the paperwork, Romani's actually innocent. You can see it from the paperwork. And I questioned the barrister, why is this happening? And he says to me, well, somebody's got to be talking. And I'm like, talking about what? There is nothing to talk about. So the only way you can get charged with murder for so long is going to be the new witness or some forensics, as far as I'm concerned. And in this case, there's not none. When I went through the paperwork myself and I looked at the witness statements, I'd realised there's no new witness statements. This is all from 18 months ago. So why charge? And I feel like I was being, do you know when someone's trying to make you be quiet, you know what you're talking about. They're trying to downplay what you're saying to throw me off. So during, I went for Berlin in August and we was told that I need to provide him an address outside of the M25, um, a letter from the university because he had a reset to do that summer. And we'd put up a cash bail for him as well. We'd put up £25,000 for his bail. So the judge said, give you two weeks, go and get all that sort of back, which I did. Returned back to court two weeks later, and the CPS turned around and said to the judge, oh, he may possibly contact the witnesses via social media. Now, bearing in mind, he does not even know these witnesses from nowhere. He's never tried to contact them before, so why now? Well, it's different because he's been charged. So the bail was refused. He was due for a hearing in October, a plea hearing in October. So they're in Pentonville. We know there's no chance of, well, we know the trial's in January, so we have to wait this out. One of Romani's biggest fears, and my biggest fear, was him going to Belmarsh. He's a young man who's never been in contact with the judicial system at all. I and mean, no, Belmarsh is not a nice place. So what would have been arranged for the plea hearing it would be done by a video link to avoid them being transferred because once he goes to court, they're gonna send him to Belmarsh. I went to Pentonville and I visited Romani on the third. On my way home I got a call from the solicitor said, Oh, the prison decided that they can't do this by video, they're gonna to have to come in to court. That means they're going to Belmarsh. It's one of the worst, worst possible days. Uh,
1: exactly what happened, they ended up in Belmarsh. Belmarsh prison. Yes. Can, can, can you just tell me what what it was like when you went to visit Romani in prison and what he said to you about what happened?
2: Um, well, he'd always told, He always told me from the very offset of what had happened. He didn't know because he didn't see, but he knew that his friend had stabbed. There was some crazy so much things going on. It was like madness in this party. But to what I've heard, two people had a fight. Two people had a fight and the forensics point to the two people that had the fight. In fact, I would say there was a two on one. Now, our victim, because the media only tells one side of the story, our deceased, his fingerprints, his DNA is on a kitchen knife and the fingerprints of his friend is on a kitchen knife. The other victim, he was stabbed by a kitchen knife and so was the deceased stabbed by a kitchen knife. Got three set of fingers prints on kitchen knives. No, even not Romani's, and it's two against one. The other defendant with the fingerboard, I'm gonna call he's not even the defendant, he's never been charged. He's refused to cooperate with the police. And I find it very strange that there's your forensics, your DNA on a knife, a murder weapon, potential murder weapon. You've not been you've refused to cooperate with the police. And there's poor Romani, there is no forensics on you whatsoever.
1: So there was no forensic evidence against your son linking him to the knives that were involved in either of the stabbings, the one where the man, the young boy died and, and the one where the young boy was seriously injured?
2: There is no forensics on Romani whatsoever.
1: So what was the evidence that the police relied on to charge him and nobody else other than the, the, the rapper that you mentioned?
2: To me personally, like I've gone through this case over and over and over again. The individual who kept the party and her best friend, the best friend, the girlfriend of the deceased. Now, I would have to give it to someone else not to say bias for them to read it themselves. Their witness statements are very, very, very conflicting and untrue. We've got basically five statements from one individual and the first two, you don't mention anything about Romani, nothing at all. Later on, the social media video with the stick has gone around. Oh, that's the guy. But when you gave your account to the police, you gave a full description of the perpetrators who was supposedly beating this young man with a stick. Now, one was mixed race and bald headed. And the other one had on a red jacket. Neither of these fit the description of Romani at all. And the statements keep changing and changing. It bewilders me that the police, where's your probing skills? Because you've got to the point where you can see through the interview transcripts is that the young person is trying to tell them something and you've disregarded it. They were fighting. They were rolling on the floor. Of course, the next question, who was rolling on the floor? That wasn't asked. In the field, you've used circumstantial evidence in order just to get a quota, to fill this quota. It doesn't matter who's killed the crime. If we can
1: wrap up one of them, that's all that matters. I I want to push it forward a little bit because I think the intricacies of the details of, of the case, and I know, having been a victim of a miscarriage myself, how important the minute detail is because that minute detail builds the bigger picture. And it's the bigger picture that tells you whether someone did or didn't do something. So all these kind of pieces of the jigsaw creates a picture which then establishes the facts that you can and can't rely on. You mentioned that there was no forensic evidence and that the forensic evidence that did exist pointed towards other people holding and using those knives potentially. You talked about uh, Romani not being involved in these these crimes. You talked about the fact that he'd been on bow, uh, he'd got on with his education, and then all of a sudden by post, which I find incredible, Um, I, I got a speeding ticket the other day and that was by post and now they're kind of charging people with murder by post. It seems just incredible. But I want to project it forward because I know you've got a long battle. Hopefully, I hope you haven't got a long battle ahead of you. But from a mother's perspective, you've decided to embark on a journey to prove that your son didn't commit the crime. And one of the first things that impressed me was your taking on the media's reports about your son calling him a thug. How did you do that and why did you do that?
2: It was with the help of Codesign cons- of 200. Uh, I'm really appreciative for them for that help. They've been supporting me and backing me throughout this or since the summer. And I just thought the public need to see this, the truth because often we know we're not silly people. We're not sleeping like we were years ago. People can see the media are very, very influential how the public way by a story and it's by the headlines and something what cosign 200 headlines noticed. i'd noticed myself but it was glad i was really glad that someone had picked it up they'd done their research before working with me and they found romani's story in the paper but in fact when you really look at it properly his picture big picture on the front page he's a fog he's a murderer But when you get to the print now reading the story there isn't a story It's all about creating this illusion. So the first thing most publics, they see a a, a big headline and a picture. A lot of people don't really go into the story. There's somebody with a bit of intelligence, like Cosign 200, they said, but there's no story about this guy. It doesn't actually tell us anything that he's done. Most of the story, you talk about the rapper and how he performed with Drake, but it doesn't actually tell you anything about what Romani's supposedly done. So where are you here calling him? these horrible names and putting his picture all up for everyone to see. But it's to create this moral panic oh we've got all these black boys running up and down we're doing a good job we're catching them. When you read the story there ain't no story you're not catching them you're fitting up people.
1: Why would they though? Why would the Why would the criminal justice system or the police or the Crown Prosecution Service, and I'm not talking about the broader picture of them discriminating against a particular community, whether it was once upon a time the Irish community, the the Muslim community or, or the black community or even the Caucasian white community. I mean, why would they target your son? If he was, like many of the other kids at that party, innocent, why did they choose him as the person that they were going to portray? Because I'm sure there were plenty of other young black boys and girls and maybe white boys or Asian boys at this party who had maybe a criminal record that they could pin this on because it would be harder to to, to win over the public in the way that your story has won me over in, in, in so much as, you no, know, this was not a thug. This was not a career criminal or a gang member or somebody, but he was a, a young, you know, driven, successful boy who ended up in prison.
2: Referee, you've asked a very good question. Now, months ago, some would have called me a conspiracy theorist, but everything has come, come into fruition. It's class, it's race, and it's power. Now, it's very deep, but in a nutshell... An educated black man is a big threat to our society. When my son went to school, I'm gonna say he was groomed and raised by bankers and medical professions and corporations. And this was on the card for a wow, while. He's too powerful. Slavery was abolished in eighteen thirty three. And yet we're in twenty twenty and it's still happening. But the slave master, I'm going to say, he became very sophisticated with his methods of slavery. They're no longer using chains and whips. That physical eye can see it's more of a mental, psychological slavery. Now, someone with Romani's level of knowledge, especially around the subject, economics is a very, very powerful subject to have. And as a black man, he's a big threat to the world of the bankers and the corporations, sir. This has been happening generation after generation. When we're too powerful, we kill you or we knock you up.
1: I hear you. I don't know if I agree with you. I know economists who are black and brown, and they've made a very success of their careers, or lawyers, or other people who work in banking. So that surely can't be the focus of the authorities for your son. I, whether it's true or not, I don't know because I don't know the details, and that's why I'm I'm talking to you. What is your mission? What is it that you, you want to achieve here, Nat- Natalie? Obviously, you're, you're campaigning to prove that your son didn't commit the crime for which he's in prison for. Tell me what happened in terms of his conviction. I don't want the details around the, the, the trial. That's too much to get into. But what was he eventually convicted of and sentenced to?
2: Manslaughter and violent disorder. Sentenced 10 years for manslaughter and three years concurrent for the violent
1: disorder. And the rapper who he was accused with? Acquitted. The rapper got acquitted, so the other defendant got acquitted.
2: Yep, and the other young man who got found guilty for violent disorder, he got community service.
1: What happened to the young man who um, was a friend of Romani's that was stabbed and seriously injured?
2: Unfortunately, a couple of months after the incident, he passed away in something s- completely separate to that incident. So he's no
1: longer here. How old are these young men? How was how old was Romani and these others Romani at the time?
2: Would have been nineteen at the time. He just Romani,
1: Sorry to interrupt you. Romani was nineteen, was he? Yeah, he was nineteen at the time. Yeah, they were all the same age
2: group, eighteen, nineteen.
1: He's now serving ten years in prison for for manslaughter and a, a, a fray, and you're out here trying to get your voice heard, which is one of the reasons I've you know invited you to come on to this podcast. What is it you want people to know? What what I, I know what you you talk about the conspiracy and the slavery and that is deep and that is a a big conversation. And I'm not in any way, Natalie, skirting over it. And I think most people will know the message that you're delivering there. But what is it? What is your message? What, what is it you want people to know about what's happened to your son and what you're trying to do to help him?
2: Well, for one, like my bid right now is to get Romani's freedom. And not just Romani. What he's been charged under is this doctrine, joint enterprise, whereby is the way the system has created this lying law that we can lock up as many of you as possible. It's like grabbing our young people in wholesale numbers. So just getting one, we can get 10 of them. We don't really have to do no proper investigation. It's like getting young people by wholesale numbers. It's a lazy prosecution tool whereby you're not doing any investigation. You're just tying up a bunch of young people through very loose associations. Like in Romani's case, a big factor of his court case was the fact that some of these boys came from the same school which they'd all left two years before, and that's the association you've tied them all up in. Now, joint enterprise, something, I wrote my dissertation on it 10 years ago regarding the title was joint enterprise and how it was going to disproportionately criminalise young black men. I'd done, obviously, lots of deep, deep, deep studies into it, and I was against it from back then, that it was going to... It was used as a tool for social cleansing and gentrification. And I've lived it. I've got the theoretical side of it and now we've gone through the practical. I'm not sure if I sent, I did send you something in the summer. I did try to reach out to you in July. I actually wrote a follow-up to my dissertation a part two, which was titled The Truth About Education, Police and the Judiciary injustice is faced by British black men in 2020.
1: Why did you reach out to me? Why did you think that I was the person to give you a voice?
2: I knew you'd, ha- you'd been through similar circumstances, yourself being unlawfully, unfairly convicted. And I would have felt somebody, sometimes a person who's been through the journey themselves will have a lot more understanding because they know you've lived it. And someone was only just read about it in books and papers. That was one of the key features that made me reach out to you. And so this guy has got very kind I admire your story and your strength as well. And I know you know that there is a lot of injustices happening. But as far as I'm concerned, 2020, it's a time where very, very modern, lots of high spec technology, technology. There's no reason for anybody to be sitting in prison for something they haven't done. And on this journey, I've realised there are so many young black men in prison who who haven't actually committed a crime. It could be just, oh, something happened and you might have called that person to return back the game five minutes before they'd gone. Someone else has gone and got themselves in trouble. And that one phone call ends up getting you convicted on something like a murder charge or you haven't got nothing to do with it.
1: I suppose you're living you're living that experience and you're seeing it and 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 people that you're interacting with probably more so now than ever before because of the experience you're going through is kind of in, in you know fueling that understanding but for people who are not in this world for people who don't experience it, maybe because of their class, maybe because of the colour of their skin, maybe because of their life's chances. I don't know what their reasons for not being caught up, um, but but that's the majority of people. How do you convince them? How do you convince them that this is going on in the world and that in this country, the United Kingdom, young black boys or young boys and girls are getting caught up in a system and ending up in prison for serious offences when they've done absolutely nothing wrong? Not necessarily because they're being fitted up or fitted in, but simply because of their association with friends or, or or associates or being in the wrong place at the wrong time.
2: Like a lot of these cases, these are like a bunch of children went to school together. You don't have no choice who you're in class with. Is the system what's put you who who they put you with? And now you're getting penalized for it. at The end of the day, it shouldn't be happening. It's actually un- joint enterprise is actually unlawful. And it has been proven, in court; it's been unlawful for the last 30 years. And yet so our courts are still using it because maybe because it affects those of lower social classes. It affects just black people more because that's facts anyway. It is black boys what are two or three, how much times likely more to get themselves in this situation than their white counterparts. So there's that racial element to it as well. Me, I want to raise enough awareness in order for those at the top to so say, this can't work no more. We've got to investigate crimes properly and thoroughly. Then we're not just gonna go for just getting a quota. And I'll I put it out this week like, why is getting a conviction more important than addressing real life evidence and truths and facts? That will all truths, facts, and evidence get pushed aside just to get a conviction. So I answer, who is benefiting of all of these convictions?
1: Who is benefiting?
2: So We start to look and we start looking at the top. And that's what I have been doing behind closed doors. We've gone to the very, 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 very top. Now I'm going to say this, my son's case, there is lots of corruption around it. That's how we've got, because the child is innocent. I'm not saying it because his mum and it's there in black and white, it's fat. But our systems have been doing this to our young people for a very, 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 very long time. So they've become very complacent. I'm confident that you're going to get away with it. But this time, in Romani's cases, they've left quite a few holes. And they wasn't banking on his mum being so nosy and investigative that
1: we'd actually get to the truth. Are you appealing against his conviction and sentence? Corruption again. At the sentencing, the barrister
2: looked at me and he said, there's going to be no grounds for appeal. Tell Romani to do an open university course. And he says this to me while I was looking at the floor. Really? I'd went into a solicitor's firm a few days over for a different matter. And one of the solicitors, she was the solicitor for the other defendant who got acquitted. When I told her, she said to me, where on earth did you get that from? And I said, you told me that. She said, no, 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 no. And she, cut a long story short, she advised me to report him to the bar. And I didn't, but I've got to the point where Certains of our systems not working for us are just wasting my time. So we'll just go straight to the top. I started Operation Accountability back in the summer where we're asking for clarity and trans- transparency with all of these cases. You can't just look up our children and no one's not going to answer our questions and think, yeah, all right, that's it. We listen to the solicitor. We look at this case thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly. I'm going to say Romani's been cooked up. And I told them at the time he got convicted, I'm going to prove to the British public what the British justice
1: system is really, really about. Is the British public via the media, because that's your only, to some extent, recourse for redress, if you like, are they listening to you? I'm giving you a platform to share your story and express, as I have Previously spoken to other people who have gone through joint enterprise, whether they've been convicted under it, whether they are campaigning for their son, relative or family, trying to show people a little bit of insight. Are, are the media giving you a voice? Are other broadcasters and platforms giving you an opportunity to share your story? We're getting there slowly. I think we're taking the long bus there, but we're getting where
2: we need to be getting to. It's taking its time. Rome wasn't built in a day. I wrote a document and I sent it out to every member of the Houses of Parliament. I sent it off to the head of the United Nations. And I've called out everything. I've named and shamed lots of individuals what's involved in this. And because of who we're dealing with, everyone took a stand back. Like, we don't want to touch that. We don't want to go there. But as time is progressing, they're now starting to listen. And I think what's helped as well because of the Black Life Movement has been going over the UK this year. It's been a huge help. But I started this out as a one man army. I've done my placards. I went to Scotland Yard as my one band. I started my demonstration. And obviously, I've linked up with other organisations and been out protesting, protesting, protesting. And I've realised like, this is a pen and paper war. As I said, there's a lot of corruption beneath this case. And it's not just Romani, there's many, 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 many cases like this but these people have been getting away with this for far too long now my whole outcome I'm looking for I want change this is not supposed to be happening no more you go to prison if you commit a crime not because we want to keep our area with the right type of people we only want certain classes in the area so we've got to get rid of you or we don't want you in our workforce because you're too powerful. You should only go to prison if you commit certain crimes. We've got a lot of cases of what I call PRS problem, reaction, and solution. We'll create these problems. We're going to get a reaction, then we'll miraculously come up with these solutions. And I've called that we have our knife pandemic, our gang pandemic. All is done by plan. We see where this is coming from. And I think at this moment, the system has underestimated the knowledge of a lot of us. You've been doing this and most parents in my circumstances, one, they don't have the strength to fight back. Two, they don't have the knowledge to even start fighting back. And that's what's holding our people down a lot. Most parents, that, since I've started my campaigning, I've had a lot of parents come towards me with their own stories.
1: Can I just pause you there because it's 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 going in a a much wider direction than than your your particular case and and your son. We don't have much time left, Natalie, so I want to thank you for sharing your story, and I wanted to bring Gloria in just to end this so she can round up what it is that is going on. So Gloria, if you want to come in on the conversation, you've been helping Natalie campaign against her her son's conviction. Just tell me a bit about your organisation and what you hope to achieve.
3: The organisation which we've set up is Cosign 200. And ultimately, we're trying to mobilise a new youth army, if you will. So the ultimate ambition will be have 200 youth organisations actively campaigning and participating with activities to amplify what's happened with joint enterprise, but then also work alongside existing organizations to help push their agenda out there for the everyday person to understand what's happened. And one of the things that we think is really key when we're thinking about joint enterprises, for so long we've been told it's complicated. Joint enterprise is so complicated, you know, it's it's something that can't be understood. It's it's very difficult to, to get your hands, head round, but it's really simple. It's actually extremely Straightforward, what we're talking about here, and it's quite simply one person can be convicted for the crime of another, even though you aren't the main perpetrator. That's it, that's all that we're talking about, and so you know, we're hoping to work with families to get their message out there because whilst that's something that's been done previously, I think one of the areas we can really support with is trying to make sure young voices are able to share those messages with other young people so that they can understand what's happened and I think through doing that we'll be able to grab more attention on the fact that this particular doctoring which is just an ideology that that prosecutors and judges have or or apply in the courtroom that this is actually it's it's affecting a group of people right it's it's a specific niche of individuals that are are finding themselves caught and it's those that are on the periphery of, often rather than being but they directly might, they, it,
1: it may well be that that group is disproportionately being affected but you know I've spoken to other people that are not of that group they may be of that class who, who themselves have fallen foul to the joint enterprise doctrine, if you like. How, how are you actively involved in, in Natalie's case?
3: So we're trying to make sure that the story is told in a visual way so it's, it can travel on social media because that's one of the things that we think that you know we've we've lacked at the moment is trying to get the real stories to people and um, the other way is when we find stories have been mistold misrepresented in social media or, or via um, media outlets we're reaching out to give them the opportunity to firstly understand what's really happened because they either have never c- didn't carry it in the first place and giving them the opportunities to speak directly with the families so that they can get their take because there's you know we've enterprise unfortunately it's not just the the victim that is is um has has often lost someone even though it's in a very permanent state but families are destroyed because of these wrongful convictions and then ultimately it's also trying to make sure that we're able to to sort of push the narrative about what's wrong with it via uh, petitions and making sure that we're you know getting the message out there to the broader to the broader general public
1: just asking you first gloria what does second chance mean to you in this context
3: Oh, Second chance in this context. I think when we're looking at it, joint enterprise, it's a, it's a review of the law completely. And we need to start focusing on evidence and changing how we are charging, because that's what's actually causing people to become convicted. Right. And I think when we're talking about it in the terms of Romani, it's giving him the opportunity to have his case reviewed and making sure that we're we're looking at it from a very. What has happened here, and what's his involvement, and does he actually deserve the charge because he was convicted under joint enterprise on his own, which is obviously in itself quite a challenge to get your head round because looking at the three strands, who do he agree to do it, commit a crime with, who did he encourage, and who could he potentially have uh guessed was going to do something, and there's no other person he's in he's in prison on his own, so second chance will be reviewing his case.
1: And Natalie, can I just ask you briefly in terms of a second chance? What what is the second chance you want? My second Romani's case needs to be reviewed, looking at
2: all of the evidence. We don't pick and choose what evidence we use. I want him to look at everything. And hopefully he will be a catalyst for other young people. As so I said, I've been looking at this for a long time and it's not right. It's very, very, very unfair. It's not justice, it's injustice. As I said before, you do the crime, then you do the time. Not, you can't be in prison for circumstances, circumstantial evidence. That's not good enough. Now, in Romani's case, Romani is not the instigator. He didn't serve the, fat, the fatal blow. The killer is still unknown, according to them. So who is he in joint enterprise with? If the killer's in the unknown and you're in a joint enterprise, You don't know who this person is, so who's he in joint enterprise with? But this is is something the system has been doing to us for a very, very, very long time, and we need to review all of these joint enterprise cases, what's happened over the last 10 years. They need to be reviewed immediately.
1: I do appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, uh, uh, and I'm glad that I can give you this opportunity to tell your story because I know as someone whose mother himself was in the same predicament when I was first wrongfully arrested, charged and imprisoned. There was nobody giving my mother a voice or my sisters a voice at at that point, and it took a long time for people to hear their stories. And that's not me saying your son's innocent or guilty. That's just me giving you, Natalie, the mother of a man who's been convicted and imprisoned, who you say is innocent, an opportunity to share his story. And again, Gloria, you're work trying to represent other young men and women who are in prison under the same circumstances so look thanks very much for sharing your story and I hope others hear your story
2: now thank you very much as well for giving us the platform and and listening to me
3: thank you so much for your time really appreciated it
1: If you've listened to this episode on any of the podcast players that allows you to rate and review, please rate and review. I need your support. And please subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. This podcast sound was produced by Audio Avalanche. Original music by J. Rowe Productions. The design work was by Studio Minerva and myself, your host, Raphael Rowe.